You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. One of the things that Chris Kleiman said when he arrived at Kansas State was, He wanted to expand that support staff inside the veneer football complex, mostly the recruiting staff. He wanted more boots on the ground to help with recruiting because, honestly, Kansas State had fallen behind in such endeavors, and everyone was adding recruiting eyes. You get an analyst here, an analyst there. You got a social media person, more people looking at more film and evaluating more recruits. And honestly, probably surfing the internet, on Twitter, on Facebook, checking up on the players that are prospective student-athletes at their schools and making sure they're the type of person that the program wants. So I thought Kansas State would add four people, maybe three. But they added one person, one really qualified person. Chuck Lilly comes from Clemson. You might have heard of Clemson football. They're pretty good at it. And Chuck Lilly's been helping the Tigers for a few years and worked his way up. And now he's at Kansas State. It was a great hire. He's a rising star in the recruiting world. And the way he got his break, the way he is a perfect lesson for any young person that wants to know, how did you get that job? How did you get into this field? You didn't play football at Clemson, and yet you got to work for the program, and now you parlayed that into a career working for Kansas State. It really is a great story and a great lesson if you listen to this podcast. Chuck Lilly is a guy that kind of made himself, then got a summer internship with an NFL franchise, and all of a sudden, people in the NFL knew who Chuck Lilly was and, and uh, the people that did the recruiting software. And honestly, before today, I didn't know there were such things as recruiting software, but of course there is. They knew who Chuck Lilly was. So when Hank Jacobs, the director of football administration for Kansas State, set out to find a new recruiting analyst, someone to help Taylor Bratt on a full-time basis get after scouring through videos and finding players for Chris Clement's program. The name Chuck Lilly kept coming up. He'd just taken a job. He just started a new job at Western Carolina. There he was working away and the phone rang. Chuck Lilly's in Manhattan, Kansas. He's not able to do his full job really because they're not having in-person recruiting right now because there's a pandemic going on. But Chuck was able to take some time with us during the off week to join us on the PowerCat Sources podcast. We start off in this podcast kind of talking about his life, what got him to Manhattan, what about Manhattan and Clemson, South Carolina, that kind of stuff. And then our Ryan Wallace, our Go PowerCat football analyst, will join us in the second half to get into some more questions. But as as you know, we can't ask about specific unsigned student-athletes per NCAA rules. Well, I could lead up some more wonderful things about Chuck Lilly, but you're going to really like this conversation. 
He is very happy to be in Manhattan, Kansas. And now let's get to it. Here is Chuck Lilly, Kansas State's football recruiting analyst. And we're now joined by Chuck Lilly. Chuck, what is your actual title? My title uh, is scouting analyst, uh, football scouting analyst. Just take time and watch a bunch of high school players and, and help our coaches identify who we want to go after. What is that like? I can watch video. I can watch football all day, but actually digging in and specifically watching players and just kind of sifting through, I, I say tape, video after video uh, online of different guys has to make your eyes sore. Well, I uh, I invested in some blue light glasses earlier this year, and that's been a, that's been a worthwhile investment. But uh, no, it, it's a lot of fun. Um, it's what I'm passionate about doing. You know, the, the simple fact that I get you know paid to do this is still pretty surreal to me. Um, but it's a lot of fun. I take a lot of pride in what I do. Um, and you know, it, it makes for early mornings and, and late nights, it, it makes it a lot easier. So I'm, I'm happy to do it. Well, let's back up now and, and get you to Manhattan, Kansas. You, you went to Clemson, correct? I did. And, yep. uh, how did you end up, uh, getting onto the football staff and, and starting your career in this? Cause it is a really cool career. Uh, well, coming out of high school, I knew I wanted to go to a school that had a competitive football team. Um, I didn't quite know that Clemson was going to, uh, you know, get to where they were, uh, in my time there. And, uh, you know, while I was at Clemson, I, I knew I wanted to work for the team. I wasn't quite sure in, in what capacity. Um, and it, to be honest, my junior year, fall of my junior year, um, I just walked into the building. Um, I didn't know where I was going. I heard some noise coming from the second floor when I walked in on the first floor. And I just kind of walked up to where I heard the noise coming from. And it happened to be the recruiting office. Um, I had sent uh, some letters and some emails and, and tried to make phone calls the year before as a sophomore and uh, just didn't have any luck. And so I physically walked into the building uh, August of my junior year before the season started. Um, and was lucky enough to have five minutes to sit down with uh, their director of recruiting, Jordan Sorrells, and uh, just let him know that I was willing to do, you know, whatever it, it took uh, to be a part of the staff. And um, he was willing to bring me on kind of in a volunteer capacity, 10 hours a week, uh, you know, that, that fall of my junior year. And that was kind of how things first got started. That's a cool story. Uh, you talk about just taking control of your, your destiny. You literally did it. I mean, you followed up with it. Uh, when did you kind of settle in and, and start to feel like you're really valuable to the Clemson program? Um, I think probably after my, uh, senior year, uh, I felt, you know, I've been, I guess a year and a half, uh, with the team about two years. Um, and I, I didn't have any jobs lined up after I was set to graduate. Um, so I talked to Jordan Sorrells, who again, director of recruiting at Clemson and, um, asked him if I could stick around, if there was any room for me to stick around. And, and he told me that I'd done a good job and, um, that he could probably find a way to, uh, you know, pay me a little bit. And just just keep me on on the recruiting staff, and I, I think that was when I knew that you know things were kind of coming together. You know, had some worlds colliding of you know real career 
uh, getting paid to, to do something. And at the same time, you know, I would have, I would have been in there doing it for free if I could. So was there an emphasis on paid a little bit with that discussion? I'm sorry. Was there a, was there an emphasis on getting paid a little bit uh, during the yeah, discussion? <laughs> I, I, I needed, I needed to, uh, I needed to make some ends meet. Um, I, I'm very fortunate. I have parents that, uh, love me and, and care for me and, and were willing to do, you know, anything in their power to, to try and help make it work. Um, so I, I sat down, I talked to my dad multiple times about it. And, uh, he, he basically told me, Hey, if you can, if you can cover this, if you can cover that, then, then I got you for the rest that's, of it. That's awesome. So how, how did you end up coming to Kansas state? So, um, this past year, um, I guess it, it'll all kind of start. Clemson is, is getting ready to go play in the national championship, getting ready to go down to uh, New Orleans and, and play LSU. Um, and around that time, um, I was in uh, talks with uh, NC State and nothing more than just a text. I was a name on the radar. And uh, one of my best friends, uh, college roommate of mine, Will Hudson, was – coming down to New Orleans for the national championship game. And, and he happens to work in Raleigh. So just kind of to set the stage a little bit for this story. And uh, so his parents got him a uh, hotel room on Bourbon street. I stayed with Will that weekend. It was, we had a fun weekend. We're both from Baltimore. The Ravens lost to the Titans that weekend and then Clemson lost to LSU. So <laughs> as a, as a sports fan, it was a little tough, but overall it was still a very fun weekend and uh, a lot of flights um, on, uh, gosh, what was, I guess would have been Tuesday morning, uh, national championship was Monday. A lot of flights Tuesday morning wound up getting canceled. So Will called me as I'm getting ready to, uh, you know, leave new Orleans and, and make the drive back to Clemson. And he said, Hey man, I, I, you know, my flight's canceled. I don't know what I'm going to do. I have this meeting. I have to be back in Raleigh for like, do you think you can drive me? And it, I mean, that was Raleigh's about five hours from Clemson and, and Clemson was about, you know, 10 hours or so from New Orleans. And so I told him we'd find a way to make it work. And, you know, when I realized that I was going to Raleigh, I said, well, I've, I've been talking to this guy a little bit at, at NC State. And um, that was their director of player personnel, Billy Glasscock. And uh, just let Billy know that I was going to be in town. And, and if he had five minutes to get together, I'd love to meet with him. And Billy was gracious enough to, to let me in the building and, and meet with me and talk with me. And uh, things wound up not working out at NC State. But uh, Billy was my connection here because him and Brian Anderson worked together back in northern Illinois and then at, over at uh, Minnesota. So that was kind of long story short how my name got brought up in the conversation here. How, how quickly did it develop with K-State? It developed very quickly. Mm -hmm. So um, before I had uh, really had things moving and shaking with Kansas State, I had accepted a job with Western Carolina, basically same exact title, responsibilities. Um, and I was on staff for all of about a week and a half. Um, I got a text from Hank Jacobs asking if, if I could hop on the phone. And that was on a Tuesday. Um, I hopped on the phone with Hank later that afternoon and he reached back out on Wednesday. So the following day and just said, Hey, we'd love to get you down here. 
uh, for an interview in person. Uh, so I uh, flew out Thursday night, uh, interviewed Friday, and the following Friday was when I got the phone call that they were going to offer me a job. That's awesome. Now, South Carolina and Kansas are different worlds. I love South Carolina, by the way. Uh, but I'm told Clemson and Kansas State aren't that much different. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I've said it ever since I got here. Um, you know, I, I really didn't know much about Kansas. I didn't know much about Kansas State. Uh, but I spent seven years of my life in Clemson, South Carolina. Um, and when I got out here from the size of the school to, you know, the same small town college feel, and I mean, just, you know, being next to a lake, I mean, everything, Clemson, South Carolina and Manhattan, Kansas are virtually the same place. That's crazy. That's crazy. And while at Clemson, you, you dealt with one of my favorite former K-State coaches, Brent Venables. Uh, did he ever yell at you? Uh, are you asking on a daily basis or <laughs> over the course of my career? Yeah, just in general, in general. Yeah, no, I uh, I definitely had, you know, a few screw-ups in my time uh, working with the defense and, and definitely caught, you know, uh, a verbal scream or, you know, a death glance from, from Coach V, for sure. Well, the death glance is, is real, too. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, he is something else. He's wired like no one else I've ever met. And I, and in this profession, in your profession, you meet a lot of coaches that are wired pretty tightly. Brent's way up there, way, way oh, yeah. up there. But a great guy, a wonderful guy. Now, before we move on to some other topics, uh, I want to ask you about this coaching staff. And I was just telling someone this the other day that I've only been around these guys a little more than a year, a little less than two years. Let's say that. But I've been comfortable with them. It's like I've known these guys the whole time. They just kind of slid into their duties at Kansas State. And it was really seamless with a guy like me going through a coaching change. And they're just such likable, nice guys on top of being good football coaches. You had to sense that as soon as you arrived. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think it starts with we have great people, first and foremost, right? I, I think – if you look across the board, we have great coaches, sure, but we have great people first, uh, great husbands, great fathers. And that's, I think, what makes you a successful person because football, at the end of the day, is going to take care of itself. You know, we're, those guys are going to grind and, and put the work in and, and watch the film, but you have great people that are, you know, cohesive together and, and make for a, a great coaching staff. And so that's why I'm so excited to be, uh, you know, a, a part of this journey and a part of this program is, is that, you know, we have guys that I know if I were, you know, a recruit coming out of high school, I'd want to play for all 11 coaches that we have on staff because I know that, that they're going to they're gonna coach me hard on the field for sure, but they're going to love me and they're going to take care of me and, and they're going to have my best self-interest at, at heart. And, you know, like I, like I said earlier in the podcast, you know, if God took the game of football away from me, all those guys would, would have my back and, and they would do anything that they, that they could to help me. And so I think that's why you see, you know, obviously a lot of them, you know, have worked together. A lot of them came from North Dakota state. And, and so I think that's probably why it feels like they've been coaching together for more than years because they have, but, um, you know, we have really, really good people here in this building. And I think that's what, what makes it 
so so easy to see why we've been successful in their short amount of time here. Now, there's probably no more important question than this one uh, during this conversation. Uh, what is it like to work with Taylor Bratt? It is very interesting. <laughs> interesting is probably the best word I can use. Taylor is probably the, the best at his job in the country. That's for sure. He recruits his tail off. He is high energy all the time. And I mean, he is just, I don't think people give him credit for how smart he is. You know, he, he definitely, uh, uh, kind of has his persona as like a, you know, goofy teenager, but he is sharp and he gets it. And he is very, very calculated in everything that he does. Um, so working with Taylor is, uh, it's very eye opening, I think for me, because, like I said, I'm in a scouting role, but I kind of have a recruiting background. So that's, you know, uh, kind of where, where I've succeeded in the past. And, and to see how he does his job and, and how he set Kansas State up for success um, is, is really, really cool. And, and working with him has, has been a blessing. He's taken me under his wing and, and, and really helped me grow in my short amount of time here. Um, but it, it's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. Are are you worried about his shoe addiction at all? No. In fact, I think that he doesn't have enough. <laughs> I think he needs to his goal should be to have, you know, his picture in the Guinness Book of World Records for most purple shoes owned. God, don't put that idea in his head. Please don't put that <laughs> idea in his head. <laughs> Let's take a pause here on the Powercat Sources podcast and take a quick break, but we'll be back on the other side with more discussion with Chuck Lilly from the Kansas State recruiting staff, and I'll be joined by our own Ryan Wallace, our recruiting analyst and editor at Go Powercat, when we continue this edition of the Powercat Podcast. The Powercat Podcast will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. We now send it back to the PowerCat Podcast. Welcome back to the PowerCat Podcast, and we continue our discussion now with Chuck Lilly, the recruiting analyst for the Kansas State football program, and now we bring in also joining me is Ryan Wallace, and let's get started with this. What exactly uh, do you look for when you're looking at film? What jumps out at you about a kid? Um, I, I, think the, I think the first thing, 
that you want to look for um, is just overall athleticism. Um, and, you know, there are certain things, obviously, with, with each position that you look for, right? An offensive lineman, you know, you're looking for different athletic traits in an offensive lineman than you're going to be looking for in a defensive back. Um, but things that, that, you know, take some time uh, and it's not necessarily the film that's going to tell you the story. It might be a conversation with the kid. It might be a conversation with his coach or his teammates or, or other coaches in the area that, that have known and, and played against the kid for a number of years. Um, you know, what drives them? Why do they love football? And, you know, trying to find little nuggets about what you believe ultimately is going to make them successful here. Obviously, you know, the, the film uh, portion of it is, is probably the most important piece, but it's not the whole story. Um, so finding out why a guy loves football, uh, finding out what drives him, what motivates him. And, and you know, does he have a chip on his shoulder? Um, or is he a guy that, you know, he's gotten his Ryan Wallace has given him three stars and, and now he's, <laughs> he's content and he's satisfied and, and he doesn't want to work hard anymore. Um, so trying to find things like that, I think ultimately are, are what, is going to lead you to be able to determine whether or not a player is going to be successful. Now, Chuck, whether it's, you know, you, whether it's coach Brat, you know, I would imagine that, that Hank gets some of this. And of course, all the assistant coaches all the way up to head coach, Chris Kleiman, how do you handle the amount of highlight links that get sent your way? The, you know, the DMS, look at my film, look at my film. I mean, how, how do you kind of not, let yourself get overwhelmed with some of that and, and sift through, you know, the kids that just simply are not going to be on K-State's radar and those that, Hey, maybe this guy deserves to be discussed a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, I think it starts with uh, being diligent and, and trying to, uh, you know, give everyone that sends you a highlight an opportunity, you know, whether that's 30 seconds or a minute or two minutes or whatever it is. And, um, I've had to learn to kind of readjust who I am because I'm very OCD about getting a text or a, a DM on Twitter. I mean, I got to open it up right away. I, I'm not one of those people that has 500 some unread messages on my phone. Um, I got to open that stuff up right away. And, and I've learned to, you know, if, if I can't watch it right now, if I can't give it the time, I gotta, I gotta, you know, give it an hour or two hours or sometimes now, you know, a, a day, a couple of days, and make sure I go back and watch that because you never know, um, you know, if that, if that link is going to be, you know, the next guy that's going to be coming here and, and playing and contributing to your team. Um, but I think ultimately you got to try to build relationships, whether that's with coaches or, or other people in, in the area. And, and there's got to be a, a level of trust. Um, and I think that helps you sift through and determine who's a priority watch right now versus, um, you know, who's somebody that I can kind of circle back to and, and make sure I watch their film a little bit later. Yeah. It's just gotta be overwhelming. Hell Wally and I get those links and I'm, every time I get one, I'm like, uh, dude, you, you don't want me to watch your video. It's not going to do you any good. Um, and, and as you sift through this, at what point do you call in? Like, let's say there's a running back. And what, at what point do you say, Brian Anderson, I want you to see this guy. Uh, I mean, what part of the process is that? Uh, well, I think we have, we have 
a pretty detailed process that allows for uh, multiple staff members to get their eyes on a player. Um, so we'll try to, you know, send guys through and, and make sure that the coach that's responsible for that area is putting eyes on them. We're trying to get the position coach to watch. Them. We're trying to get the coordinator to watch them, assuming that, you know, the player has been approved by, uh, you know, his, his position coach and his area coach. Um, but I think there are times as well where, you know, maybe a kid pops up on your radar and uh, you got to move on him now because you can tell that his recruiting's heating up and, and he's a good player. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, you allow the, uh, you know, our process to kind of take place. And sometimes that stuff moves quickly, you know, and it'll only take a, a day or two. Sometimes it, it might take a month for him to, uh, work through, you know, that multiple step process of going through all the coaches. But like I said, there's also times where, you know, you see a kid and you know that, you know, and it's like, I got to go talk to, you know, coach, and if there were a running back, I got to go talk to coach Anderson right now. I got to make sure he sees him. I got to make sure coach mass as, as the offensive coordinator watches him and, and, you know, we'll go from there. By and large though, Chuck, it sounds like based on that, that previous answer, it's not, it's not an old school, uh, you know, universal acceptance on an offer where, you know, every day you're in a meeting and unless everybody's hand, you know, is raised, the kid isn't getting an offer. I mean, it, it kind of depends, but at the same time, it may only be say two or three coaches in addition to coach Kleiman that actually say, yeah, he's worth the offer. It doesn't have to necessarily be the entire staff. No, that's, that's correct. Um, and so I, I guess just to illustrate an example, um, we wouldn't necessarily need um, Coach Klanderman's approval on a running back that's out of his area, right? Because he's ultimately, he's not going to be, you know, coaching that kid from a position standpoint. As the defensive coordinator, he's not going to be coaching. Now, obviously, from a special team standpoint, he might be helping out, but um, you know, he, we don't necessarily believe that we need all 11 coaches to approve one player to offer. Sure. Sure. Is there coming from Clemson first off, maybe this is a two part question. Uh, maybe is there really, was there really a great change that you had to go through between recruiting at Clemson and recruiting and, and analyzing for Kansas state? Maybe that's part one of this question um, because part of me almost thinks that maybe it's a little bit more similar than people might think. Part two of that question is, were there any things that you picked up on while you were at Clemson that you really wanted to emphasize and bring to K-State, just a way that they go about things? Sure. Um, you know, I, I think we got to, uh, and, you know, this wasn't anything that, that, me personally, I implemented this was something that the staff has, has preached and practiced now for uh, their entire tenure here in Manhattan. But we want to recruit inside out. We want to uh, recruit and sign and develop the best in-state talent and because it starts with those guys. Um, so all of the, the players in Kansas that, uh, you know, are, are good players and players we believe are worthy of offers are guys that we want on our roster. And then we'll go from there. Um, you know, we're going to recruit inside out. Um, that was uh, the philosophy 
at Clemson and, and, you know, it was, it was a seamless transition here uh, in terms of, you know, recruiting in state first and hard, and then we'll, we'll go from there. Um, I don't really think there was a whole lot that I needed to uh, bring with me. You know, I think the recruiting is, is pretty similar just about everywhere you go. Um, but I think our coaches here do a really good job of, of emphasizing relationships and, and building trust and building relationships with all the recruits that we come into contact with guys that we, that we, uh, you know, ultimately would, would love to sign. And so, um, that's been, you know, again, something that's a pretty seamless transition. You know, I know at Clemson, we had multiple coaches trying to talk to kids have an overlap with the position and, and area coaches talking to the same guy. And, and I think we're trying to do that here as well. But uh, like I said, it's, it's, it's all about relationships and, and it starts with in-state talent first. Uh, Chuck, one of the challenges with football in the state of Kansas for all of history basically is uh, there's two power five programs. There used to be three, what is now classified FBS programs until Wichita state dropped its program in a state of low population and also in a state where the kids don't get to play as much as other states, they don't get to practice as much, and they don't get as much exposure to strength and conditioning staffs historically. What kind of challenges that made that when you go to evaluate talent? Because honestly, a kid that's a, a junior in the state of Kansas as opposed to a junior in Florida or Texas might be less physically developed. It might be less developed as a football player. Well, I think there's two sides to that. I think that, um, you know, you're right. There there are states out there that, you know, whether it's Florida or Georgia or Texas, you know, th- those guys are just, you know, better football players because they have they have more resources, they have more time and, and emphasize the spring seven-on-seven stuff. Um, but I think at the same time, you know, the players here in, in our state, they are, uh, you know, to some degree, they don't know what they don't know. Um, I think sometimes you run into guys that, um, you know, they've they've been part of programs or have grown up with guys around them that, you know, they are the best of the best and have been for a very long time. And and guys that came before them have, you know, were in the same boat. Um, and so I think at, at times, you know, there there are players that that come out of uh, certain schools or certain states um, that they, they may have uh, a struggle transitioning to college because uh, the work ethic to, to get to that point, you know, as, as a freshman or sophomore, they, they had every offer in the country. And, and so, you know, they, they may have lost out on valuable time developing themselves as juniors and seniors. However, you know, in, in Kansas, like I said, I think some guys don't, you know, they just don't know what they don't know. And, you know, the work ethic's hard. This is a, you know, blue-collar state with, with blue-collar players. And, and those are the guys, again, that, that we want on our roster, are guys that are going to work their tails off and, and compete every day, whether that's in the classroom or, or on the field or on the weight room, whatever. Chuck, is there, is there an element of recruiting, you know, now that, now that you've been through this a handful of years at, at two different, you know, three if you want to count – you know, you're weak at, at Western Carolina. Um, is there an element of the recruiting process, process that, that you personally wish could be altered or changed um, from a rules or any any standpoint like that? It seems like that there's always something that 
maybe fans don't understand that that coaches have to go through some of these loopholes that you know could could really be made better <laughs> if the NCAA went back and just kind of maybe listened to the coaches a little bit. Yeah, um, I don't have any off the off the top of my head. I mean, I, I think uh, you know we all work with the same set of rules and guidelines, and you know we you know, work and, and recruit to the best of our ability off of that. Um, so I, I think my answer is just going to be, you know, we're going to do the best that we can, the best way we know how. Very good. When you look at Iowa State and you see a guy like Brees Hall from Wichita, such a good running back for them, is that kind of motivates you to say that that can't happen again? Uh, kind of get your competitive juices going? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, again, we're going to – do our best to recruit and and sign the best in-state talent every year because it starts with guys in Kansas. Um, so I, I think whether it's, uh, you know, guys that are on college uh, rosters right now or, or guys that are in high school that, that may be committed to, to other schools, I mean, that's definitely a motivation. You know, we we want to make sure that, that moving forward and, and – uh, you know, the next generation of, of recruits, you know, in these 2022, 2023, so on and so forth classes that, you know, we're, we're signing and, and developing the best in-state in state talent. Here's something for you, Chuck. <laughs> uh, it's It's been a little bit of an interesting offseason um, and in-season for that matter, but particularly just this recruiting cycle. What... Can you describe maybe some of the new ways that that you're either, you know, the, the staff is suggesting for kids to uh, send your way or kids are sending your way in, in an effort to be evaluated? And I, what I mean by that is you're typically used to going through huddle highlights. Well, some kids may not have huddle highlights. So I've heard stories of kids standing next to door frames to give you an idea of how tall they might be or uh, using all these weird ways to show you uh, their height, weight, how fast they are. I mean, can you maybe walk us through just how different it's been? And do you have any kind of crazy examples of, of ways that you guys have tried to implement uh, strategies to get proper measurables on, on recruits? Yeah. I mean, so I think it starts with, you know, obviously we haven't been able to get guys on, on campus. And so with those unofficial visits, you know, obviously it's an opportunity for guys to come in and, and see our facilities and, and meet our staff, meet our players, you know, really get to know our, our K-State family, as, as we like to call it. Um, and, you know, they'll be able to walk on campus. They'll be able to go in and, and see the buildings and, and really get a full picture. Now, with this extended debt period, obviously some of those things have – come off the table and along with them not being able to see what we have to offer, you know, I think it, it always helps to see somebody in person and, you know, get to know them first and foremost, you know, as, as a person and, and kind of see if they fit our culture, but then, you know, secondarily from a physical standpoint, you know, you see how big they are, you know, in person, you know, you, you might be able to see things like growth potential in their frame. Um, and so without, that opportunity to, to see that in person, you know, we've definitely had to, uh, you know, ask some guys to, 
step on a scale and, you know, stand up next to a, a tape measure on the wall because there, you know, obviously are, are combines and, and different things out there where guys go and, and get verified measurables and, and those are great, but not everybody has that. Um, so we've definitely had to ask guys to stand up, you know, next to the door and, and get a tape measure and, and stand on the scale so we can see how much they actually weigh. Um, you know, some guys are, sending us, you know, position drills so we can see them work out. Some guys are, you know, sending us videos uh, with their shirt off because they, they want to, you know, show us like, Hey, you know, I, I'm pretty ripped up. I've been working out, you know, I, I've been putting in the work this quarantine um, and, and showing us, like I said, that, that frame, that growth potential. Um, and that's been, it's been a huge help for us. Um, and, and I think that usually college football recruiting doesn't necessarily have that, aspect to it right it feels a lot more like uh an nfl combine than it does you know high school recruiting but um it, it's definitely while there have been challenges uh to everything being virtual um i think you do get to see some things that other you know I, I, we would never have a, a kid on campus and ask him to take his shirt off so that we can see how big he looks and how big we think he can get um but those are things that you know, have popped up and kids have sent us and it, it's been helpful in terms of, you know, evaluating them. Chuck, would you like me to send you a video with my shirt off? I will send you a video of my shirt off. That's and good. We'll just exchange that. That's nice. Good. That's nice. Um, <laughs> That's I was going to say. I think the only schools that be offering you and me without our shirts on are like Alaska Tech. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. about the truth. What is that? Uh, Chuck, you, you kind of spoke about this earlier. Manhattan is one of those places where you got to be there to get it. You got to, you know, you kind of feel like I'm going to the middle of Kansas. I don't know what I'm getting into because uh, – I feel like if you've never been to Kansas, you've got a preconceived notion of what it's about. And then you get to Manhattan and the Flint Hills and the lake and and the cool college environment, and you realize it is something different. This has to be a little bit difficult for you not to be able to bring kids in because, you know, it's not Texas. It's not Clemson. It's not Oklahoma where where kids kind of know what they're seeing. Manhattan, Kansas is just different than what you probably think it is. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it's it's difficult for sure because we want guys to have the opportunity to to come out and explore and obviously the dead period doesn't you know restrict them from showing up on campus and checking it out for themselves but um you know if guys aren't coming from you know an hour away it, it might not be worthwhile to to spend that money and, and spend that whole day coming and traveling out without being able to see us and see our facilities so it's definitely difficult. Um, but I, I think right now, um, you know, facilities and all the glitz and glamor of everything that's inside, right. That's, that's nice. And it works in recruiting, but that's not ultimately what guys focus on or, or what makes them successful, uh, when they do show up on campus. So I believe that, you know, we're actually being able to stand out a little bit more, because everything is emphasized from a relationship standpoint and getting to know our coaches and every coach and every staff member that we have in this building cares about, you know, the people that we recruit and cares about the culture that we have in this building. And I think that's become very apparent and very obvious to every recruit that we talk to. And we have amazing feedback from uh, our recruits and, and their parents and, 
uh, you know, just them saying like, I, you know, you guys are about the right stuff. You're about the right things. I can tell that you guys care. You know, when I drop my son off, I, I know that he's going to be in, in good hands and he's going to be with people that are going to take care of him. And, um, I, I think ultimately we want to stress to the recruit and their parents that if God took the game of football away from them, they would still want to be here and they would want to be with the people in, in this building. Chuck, I wanted to also go back and just ask you a little bit about the time that you spent doing some pro scouting stuff with the New York Giants and what what you took away from that, maybe what's kind of the most valuable thing that you took from that experience and maybe explain to some of the listeners what it was that the Giants were having you do kind of on a day-to-day basis. And I'm also curious if it's possible, if the legend is true, that if you hollowed out Saquon Barkley's thigh, that I could comfortably live in there. Yeah, Saquon, you know, I'm, I'm hoping he, you know, is able to come back and, and get healthy because what I saw that guy do in person was, you know, unbelievably special. Um, but he definitely has the biggest quads that I've ever seen on a human being, let alone somebody that, you know, is 5'11 and, and 225 pounds. So uh, he was absolute freak of nature. His legs are enormous. I don't think he ever misses leg day. That's for sure. Yeah, I know he, he's probably rehabbing from uh, his injury, but I don't think he's missed a, a day of squat over yet. Um, but no, the, the giants experience was, was awesome. Um, I had a a lot of time to, uh, evaluate, uh, you know, potential free agent guys. I was only there, um, during, you know, kind of that preseason training camp, uh, duration. So the rosters weren't trimmed down yet. And, uh, my last week was, was cut down week. So all of our work, was really spent trying to evaluate guys that were on the the back end of, you know, probably going to get cut by this team or that team. And, you know, if we, if we have a chance to sign this guy, you know, if he's going to be our fourth, you know, for example, if it's a quarterback, well, if we're going to sign and roster three quarterbacks or four quarterbacks, is he better than the third or fourth guy that we have right now? And that's what that whole thing was about. And so I think that was the most valuable um, thing that, that I took with me was, you know, especially with, with high school players, there's more players out there, Tim, kind of like you talked about, you know, sending us their, their huddle links. And, uh, you know, there's more players that we could ever evaluate, obviously, than we could ever get on our roster. And there's going to be guys that are offer worthy players, you know, at, at certain positions, but, um, depending on the on the need, how many guys that we need to bring in in each class, and, and Taylor does a phenomenal job of, of roster management and you know letting us know our, our positional needs, you know regardless of of what happens in a given year, you know. So if our number for a position is you know one, then we got to find you know a, a group of probably five to ten guys that we believe are, are going to make that one spot better. And there could be another 20, 30, 40 guys that in, in any other given year are probably worthy of, of being offered. But because we're only taking one spot, we got to find that guy that is going to come in and, and make that one spot better. Um, so I think that was probably the biggest thing that, that I took with me. You know, if we're going to bring a guy in, he's got to be better than the guy that, you know, we're replacing. And, and I think that's what ultimately recruiting boils down to is, is continually trying to get better. 
Final one from me, Chuck. And I, I get asked this a lot, and, and I don't really think I'm qualified to give an answer like you would or, or like Coach Bratwood or, or Coach Jacobs and so on. And that is for the listeners out there, maybe some are parents, maybe some are coaches, maybe we might even have players, prospects, recruits listening. What is that top piece of advice for someone to get noticed by, it could be K-State, it could be whomever. What is that top piece of advice that you would give them about, you know, how to get recognized or noticed um, by a, a college football recruiting department? Well, I think ultimately, you know, it starts with grades. Um, guys have to, you know, be in a position academically uh, to not only qualify, but to succeed. Um, you know, the first thing that we want to do when we bring a guy in um, is we want to put be able to put them in a position to be successful and, and not just obtain, you know, a, a diploma, but but to graduate and to have earned and, and received an education, not just a degree in education. Um, so, so first and foremost, I think it starts with taking care of grades. Uh, secondly, you know, control what you can control. You know, especially I think that rings so true right now in, in times of, you know, the coronavirus and, and quarantine and, you know, guys aren't able to go in and, and use their high school gyms or at least they weren't over the summer. Um, but if you go out and you put the work in and, and, you know, you do all the things that are kind of unrequired, if you have that that inner self-motivation, then, then you know that eventually an opportunity is going to come along and you're going to be ready for it. Um, so I think, you know, staying ready, staying prepared, uh, like I said, controlling what you can control that that's the best thing that, that guys can do. Cause you know, eventually you're going to get noticed. Eventually, you know, you're going to have people advocating for you and saying, coach, you know, th th this guy is, you know, unbelievable. He, he works his tail off. He, he always does what we ask him to do. And then some, and I think those are things that, that speak to coaches a lot more than like, hey, this guy ran for 150 yards and three touchdowns last night. You know, um, so if any recruits are out there listening to this, I think the best thing you can do is continue to work, continue to, you know, just put your best foot forward and, and just be ready for when an opportunity comes your way. Uh, hey, this has been great. I, I appreciate it so much. And uh, I didn't get a chance probably earlier. I think I did say this via Twitter, but welcome to Manhattan, Kansas. It's a great Thank place. Uh, I, I plan on being put in the ground here because I love it so much. Uh, but uh, the best uh, and I look forward to doing this when you can actually talk about kids that you've been involved in the recruitment with I mean, in case people don't realize yeah. you can't talk about. Uh, potential student athletes, so it yep. kind of limits can't, our topics. Can't talk here. about anybody in in particular, but uh, to to the recruits that are out there, guys that are still in in high school, uh, you know, if you haven't gotten the chance yet, come check us out. It's a special place with special people. Um, you're not going to regret coming out here and, and taking a, a day of your life to come and visit this place because I'm telling you, it's it's special. It really is. And Chuck, Chuck's awesome. Chuck's awesome. I'm so glad that Ryan Wallace could uh, join us because he had a little more depth in there. And as we mentioned at the end of that podcast, it's not possible for us to discuss potential student athletes. So we couldn't discuss anyone 
uh, that they are recruiting for the 2021 class, which is the active class right now. Certainly no one beyond that. So no questions about what he sees in Jake Rubley or anything like that. That is off limits, according to the NCAA. Coaches can talk about recruits. They just can't publicly talk about recruits. They can't do anything on the record. Uh, they, they can't promote um, you know, publicly your adoration for a recruit. Let's say that. Uh, the NCAA restricts that, and it can get you into hot water and get you banned from recruiting a certain player if you play that game. So uh, coaches are very careful about that rule, including Chuck. And I think in this discussion, you could quickly learn why Chuck Lilly has fit in with Kansas State very well. And I was just fascinated with his comments, uh, football aside, about his affection for Clemson, South Carolina, and how much it is like Manhattan, Kansas, because Boy, I do love this place. Well, that's it for this week's Powercat Sources podcast. We'll be back next week. Uh, This was a nice bi-weekend discussion with a member of the staff. But next week, we hope to return to the coaching staff with another member of the Kansas State Wildcat with another member of Chris Kleiman's crew. This is Fitz, and I will talk to you very soon with another edition of the Powercat podcast because they come virtually every day, all football season long. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.